0: What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. I'm Christo, and you are listening to The Future. On today's show, we are going to be talking to Keir McLaren. He's my business coach for many years, going past 10 years now. And fans of the YouTube show, The School Rocks, you guys might recognize that name. He's been a big part of my success as an entrepreneur and as a person beyond just business. And so you guys might be thinking, what's a business coach anyways? Is that the same thing as a life coach, a financial advisor? What well, do you want to know? Do you have questions? We're simulcasting on Facebook Live. And as always, you guys can hit me up on Twitter at The Cristo. So, Aaron, I'm going to pass it over to you. And I'm switch this camera around here. Great. I'm going to pass it over to you. So you've seen Kier come in the office. Yeah, I've seen him come in a few times. What were your thoughts when you see this man coming in? Uh, and You never spoke to him? No, I never spoke to <laughs> okay, him. Okay, that's kind of odd. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was actually kind of afraid. It scared of you at first cuz you seem like a very important, imposing kind of figure and a lot of people that I respect a lot, respect you a lot. So I kind of feel like you're really up there, elevated. There's just levels. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> levels. There's there's like level like like a whole a level system above or something. Me. Yeah, yeah right. Chris is a whole level above me and then maybe <laughs> Keir's a whole level above Chris. So that's like two levels above me. So I kind of just wonder what makes you that guy that's so high above me, I guess. Okay. And so that was kind of intimidating for you? Yeah, a little intimidated for sure. Did you guys ever run into each other in the bathroom or the hallway or something? I, I really tried hard for that not to happen. <laughs> so if you see him coming, you take a different path? <laughs> yeah, or i uh, scratch my eyebrow or something. All right. Well, Cheryl, I mentioned to you yesterday that we're going to have Kira on the show, and I told you he's my business coach, and you've never met or seen Kira before, right? Sure. Okay. So you had this initial reaction of what? What were you thinking?
1: Well, I guess I didn't know enough to be afraid <laughs> I'm relatively new here. Well, I didn't assume you are going to be afraid. <laughs> no, no, like Aaron, um, I guess I just wanted to know the difference between like a financial analyst and what you do. I um, You yeah, thought they were kind I'm of not, similar yeah, to the same, I, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. okay.
0: So without further ado, I'm going to, wait, with a little further ado, let me set the stage. I'm sorry, because there are people who are tuning into this podcast. And we're new to you, or and you're new to us. So let me tell you guys first briefly how I actually got to know Kier and how we actually met. So uh, it's been it's many many years ago. I'm having lunch with my good friend Hugh Barton of Barton Holt, and he was a uh, composer, sound designer, and that's what he did. And we're meeting up at Frito Misto, a local Italian pasta place. This is back when I used to eat carbs and pasta, but yeah, we're having lunch and. You know, you just do the normal thing, catching up, uh, kind of finding out about each other's lives and families. And ask him, of course, how how are you doing? And he said, my business is doing great. We're almost going to double our revenue this year. And of course, my ears perk up. I'm leaning in now. I said, well, w- what's the difference? What did you do? And then Hugh said, we hired this business coach. Okay, that, that was it. Whatever else we talked about that day, I just don't really remember. But I do remember asking Hugh, would you mind sharing the contact information of your business coach. Of course, he's like, yeah, I'll send it to you. So he sends it over to me, and I immediately call Kier. I don't even know if uh, it was even a day. I called him that day. I did do one thing, though. I did talk to my wife and said, I heard about this business coach, and he helped out this guy's business. We're in a good place right now. We, we had a little kind of uh, pad in terms of our profit and how we're running our jobs. I wanted to give this a shot, so I called Kier. Kind of didn't check him out at all just based on one other person's word, I called Kier and he came by and what what person walked through the door totally surprised me. Now, we were in our Venice house and we were running our business out of our Venice house. So in comes this man, he is a big imposing guy. He looks a little bit like Santa Claus. He comes in with his white hair and it's like, I didn't even know what I was thinking, but that was not the vision I had for this business coach. in comes Kier and he really helped to set me straight just even in our very first meeting together, to help me avoid a critical business decision. I'm not going to get into that. Okay, now I'm going to turn over to Kier. Kier, there's some people that are going to ask some questions on here,
2: but is there a little bit of uh, how you'd like to describe what a business coach is? Yeah, you know, I can describe it. It's it's a little bit different for each person. So if you talk to everybody I work for, it would you know they would have a you know sort of like the the blind guys describing an elephant. Um, I've never had the Santa Claus reference before, but <laughs> thank you for that. The, uh, you know the, I guess the thing is, is for, for most of the people like you when I first met you, you knew a lot about art and a lot about design, but you didn't know much about business. And generally speaking, what happens and what happened to you was people that are successful, they start to grow and they realize that they don't know what their profit and loss statement is. They don't know a lot of the fundamentals about business. And these are really basic fundamentals. If somebody is out there listening that has a degree from Wharton or from the Harvard Business School, you know, you'll be amazed at this. But, you know, people like yourself are very successful financially, but you really don't know much about business and you don't know much about management. So in your case, you had basically started with three friends from Art Center and built from there. But as the place got bigger, you had more and more people, and you know you didn't know about HR. You just didn't know any of the basics. So that's usually the way that it starts. And then, then we go from there. Some people, uh, they need other help. They need to go to therapy. Their personal lives are pretty screwed up because they're spending so much time at their office that they really don't get home very much. Mm.
0: I just want to interrupt you one second. Henry Perkins is asking, can we ask questions on here? Henry Perkins, of course you can. Please ask questions. It's live. That's why we're simulcasting live on Facebook, all right? You guys, hit me up with your questions and I will filter out the ones that I think are most relevant to the group. So please ask away. I'm sorry. Keep going. Should I keep going?
2: Yeah, please. Yeah, the way I used to get most of my business back in the day when you and I started, was uh, someone would be at a cocktail party with, with his wife, because most of my clients have turned out to be guys. And one wife would say to the other, You know, I'm going to leave my husband if he doesn't come home more. And she'd be very frustrated. And my client's wife would say, Hey, you ought to call this guy here because he's helped my husband organize his business so he actually comes home on weekends now. And you know that's a little facetious, but it's there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, people in this business tend to work lots and lots of hours and be poor managers not only of their staffs but of their own time. Um, so again, as you know, Chris, you know many of my clients, and you know you've helped many of them actually. But each person is different and and has a different path. It's changed now because the digital world is is just been turned upside down. The digital world has turned upside down most of the clients that I do business with and I just want to say this briefly whether you're in broadcast or whether you're doing what Chris does and you have a studio it's all generated by advertising dollars if you're in broadcast the the reason you're doing promos and bumpers and opens and branding is because somebody is paying advertising dollars to these networks to do the work But that's all changing now. Much of it is switching over to these digital platforms. And so the challenge for Chris and for other clients that I have is how can they take the skill set they have and adjust for these new opportunities? Because every time there's a change, someone wins and someone loses. Mm -hmm. There's always opportunity. Change means opportunity. And what I'm doing mostly now with clients is helping them identify where their strengths are into these new marketplaces.
0: Okay, now I think you've uh, unearthed a <clears throat> key word, key concept here is about change, and I love the way you said that the change when change happens, there's opportunity, and so then why is it that so many people don't realize the opportunity and they get left behind? Like the tide takes them out, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's because first of all, change is hard for everybody. I mean nobody really wants to change. like for example, you had said to me years ago that I should be doing what we're doing right now and I said no, I don't want to do it you know, I had a hundred <laughs> reasons why I didn't want to do it you yeah. know? and finally I, I, I sort of took my own advice. Um, you know and, and I've, I've used this before. Uh, you know w- it's a classic economics 101 scenario. Back in the day when there were carriage makers, the automobile came along, and the automobile was clunky, and it broke down, and it didn't run very well. And so uh, carriage makers said to themselves, well, you know, this thing, the car, it scares horses, it will never work. And as we all know, if you look around today, there aren't many carriage makers left. But, But the point of the matter is not that. The point is the carriage makers had all the transportation clients. But they couldn't take advantage of it because they didn't understand what they really did. Right. What they really did was they were in the transportation business, but they perceived they were in the carriage-making business. Right. One would think if you have all the transportation clients, you would get into the auto business. Right. I don't know. If there's a lot of young people, I'm sure, out there now. There used to be something called Remington typewriters. Mm. Why didn't Remington go into the computer business? The only person that did that, the only company that did that actually was IBM. Mm-hmm. They were the only ones to survive that bloodbath. Right. Excuse me. <clears throat> well, guide, and, oh sorry go ahead and that's what's happening today Yeah. so I'll have meetings I was joking with some clients yesterday we'll have a meeting about how everything's going to digital for example 18 to 24 year olds in the last Olympics w- did not watch TV at all they watched exclusively streaming mm-hmm. and so we'll have this long discussion about change and then someone will say well I have to go now i got to talk to someone at ABC and I'm thinking <laughs> were, were you not listening I mean th- this is not the future the other day the new head of Turner Broadcasting said the networks will be gone in 5 years. Mm-hmm. And the head of Fox said sim- a similar thing in the in the LA Times business section 6 months or so ago. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the business that you guys are in in the design business, the motion business, that doesn't mean you're out of business, but it means you're going to have to change. It's going to be I think a high volume low low cost low price of cost is the wrong word in other words instead of being asked to make a five hundred thousand dollar commercial you may be asked to make you know 50 widgets for ten thousand dollars and if you restructure you can make money doing that
0: right well you know i wanted to just uh add this layer in in terms of uh somebody who speaks on innovation a lot guy kawasaki says if you want to innovate you got to jump the curve you can't iterate your way to innovation and so who gets left behind is the people who are i think fearful of making that jump and we're in an industry of creatives that unfortunately we we kind of uh, seek validation from others we're other validated versus self-validated and so it's a scary thing and i think it's compounded as creative people we're always looking for like did we win that award did somebody certify me Uh, and 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 that that kind of Fear and the courage that it takes to overcome that fear is tremendous, right? In the
2: real world, unfortunately, in the creative world, a lot of what you do, Chris, in studios like yours, it was creative to creative. And Mm -hmm. to be frank, in my opinion... The creatives and ad agencies really didn't care if the product sold. What they cared about was, did you do something that was cool enough to put on their reel for the next job they were going to get? Right. But what's happening now is marketers are starting to control the digital universe. There's actually feedback. We can tell if anyone looked. Mm-hmm. We can tell if anyone. It's all analytic now. Mm-hmm. And marketers could care less about creative all marketers care about is, you know, did someone watch my show? Did someone buy my product? It's a much, much different world. They're driven by metrics, right? Metrics is changing the world. You know, Mm -hmm. advertising is basically a world of smoke and mirrors. Nobody really knows. You know, if X amount of people watch a television show and see my commercial, that doesn't necessarily translate into sales. That's right. But I do want to say something about change. A lot of us are black and white thinkers. So what I mean by that is I'm not suggesting, like in your case, that you dump doing motion graphic commercials. What I suggested to you, and, and you were smart enough to pay attention, is that you slowly move into new markets. And So it's not like you have to like throw out the baby with the bath. I mean, look, let's face it, you all have mortgages and rent and kids. You've got to pay the bill. So you keep doing that, but then, then at the same time, you start to move into these new areas so that it's not like, you know, A or B. But that's what people think.
0: (laughs) So we got some questions coming in.
2: So uh, we're going (laughs) to test here and
0: see how he thinks on his feet. And of course, Cheryl and Aaron, if you're hearing something and you want to chime in here, just please do so, Okay. Uh, don't get all stiff on me, Aaron. All right, <laughs> <laughs> this is just three people or four people sitting at a table having a conversation. So first up is Henry Perkins. Uh, if you were to, uh, if you were a startup with very little capital, what would you invest in first to get the business off the ground? Advertising, finding more money, etc. Basically,
2: what would be your blueprint in hindsight? Marketing. Look, I, I say this to Chris and to everybody. If you have work, I can, I can hire people to do the work. It's, if you have no work, what's the difference? It doesn't matter who you have working for you. It doesn't matter how big your staff is. My suggestion is, is that you take a look at where your business is going to come from in a realistic way. And if you don't do that, you got a problem. Um, I used to work in the radio business, and I decided I'd go into the ad agency business. I was in a little town up in, in central New Hampshire. And I saw a niche. I, I didn't know what a column inch was, for those of you that have no print. And I still went in the ad agency. I was just too stupid to, to not do it. But what I did was I took some of my radio clients with me. Okay, you have to have clients. That's the bottom line of any of these businesses. I don't care what you're doing. So that's before I opened the door, I'd like think about where am I going to get my clients and specifically who are they going to be and how, how am I going to do that. Because the rest of it is, to be honest with you, is fairly easy. I can go on the freelance market this afternoon, and I can hire animators, designers, and everybody else. But what I can't do is is generate business. That's the big issue. Hmm. So you're saying marketing, sales—you got to generate the business. Yeah, first. you have to have business. I mean, right. you know, going into business assumes there's business to be had.
0: Okay. So this is a critical point. You want to say something, Cheryl?
1: Oh. Um. You don't have to. <laughs> you looked like you were going to say something. No, no, something. no, no. I, I, no. It just seems like the the majority the marketing budget for people it's like the majority of their their I guess their their dollars that they spend it's getting into marketing
0: well let, let me just say this uh, to put it in kind of in a creative design context I think as creators makers manifestors whatever we want to call ourselves we get stuck in thinking about it. we gotta make it we gotta make it perfect before we show a single person and because it's really good that somehow magically the phone's gonna ring and people are gonna hear about us without us doing any effort and I'm speaking about this person I know really well, myself. Because when I graduated Art Center, I thought I was just hot stuff, right? I graduated top of my class, and I had this portfolio. I was thinking, this is, things are just going to happen. And I sat there for days, into weeks, into months, thinking that the phone was going to ring. That because I was kind of cool at Art Center, that that meant something. And so what Kir is saying here, it's hard for creative types to hear. So, the very first thing you got to do is you got to generate sales. You can do that in a number of different ways. You can market, you can do inbound marketing, you can do outbound marketing, but you got to get out there and you got to let people know you exist. Once you get the business, then you can figure out how to do it. That was your whole one column inch thing, right? Right. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you, Kier. So, here's another question. It's coming from Ecuador. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in, Anthony. His question is, how can you introduce digital platforms, digital marketing, etc., to a developing country? People are so insecure about whether it's real, it's relevancy. Do you have any advice on that?
2: I'm, I'm not sure precisely that I understand the question, but if if the question is, if you're talking as a studio, how you introduce it, if that, I'm not sure, Chris, can we, I don't understand the question. Okay,
0: so I'm going to kick it back to Anthony. <clears throat> uh, Anthony, could you rephrase your question because it's a little unclear but i think what he's asking is in emerging or developing countries they're a little bit behind they might not see the value of social media of twitter of facebook and so maybe they're still on the radio print and television thing
2: yeah well that could be the case i think um, <clears throat> i talked to someone the other day from croatia someone wanted to talk about doing some business and we were talking and um, it, it was pretty different because, you know, evidently for a 30-minute documentary there, the going rate from the national network there is around $900. I don't know, you know, much about Ecuador. Uh, but what I'm saying is, if first of all, th- uh, let me, I can answer the question in a okay. different way. And the answer is this, is most studios can't do what I call make a market. In other mm. words, you think... Anthony, and you could be right, this is not a matter of right or wrong, that clients or people in your country should be going digital. But if they don't perceive that, unless you're a big player, you don't have the power to make that change. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make. People will come to me with like a certain idea and they'll design a whole business around what they think customers want. <clears throat> but excuse me, if you're a small studio or if you're a studio, even if you're the mill and you're 500 people strong, you don't have enough power to, to, to move the marketplace.
1: Right, Demand yes.
2: has to come from somewhere outside of you.
1: You right? have to know where your customers are. If your right. customers aren't online, then it's kind of a waste of money. Even if, it is, even if it is a small amount of money, you have to Absolutely. be there where they're going to be listening and hearing and getting your message.
0: It's a pain point that I hear quite a lot, Kiara people in other markets because they're tuning in to our show from all over the world and they see the things that we're doing and we're in a submarket of a submarket, right we're in the United States and then we're in California and then we're in Los Angeles and then we're in Santa Monica so if you think about where we're at and some of the things that we're doing of course they're looking from the outside in saying well how do I bring this to my country my culture and I think what you're saying here Kira is that you can't unless you have a tremendous amount of money energy and time to, to change culture I mean if we think about it uh, the anti-smoking campaign that's been going on for decades now it's barely moving the needle right and yeah. we're talking about billions of dollars being spent to change one habit so you as a, a lone practitioner of design in ecuador trying to
2: introduce yeah. digital marketing and it could well be i mean a, a partner that you know, a, fr- a friend i'll say yes. a, that chris knows spent a lot of time in africa working and we had occasion to communicate lot, a, a lot a lot Mm-hmm. And this person probably worked in a half a dozen African countries. And the reality was the, the 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 complete infrastructure there was bad and the internet structure was even worse. And it was very unreliable. In many countries, it would just go down for half a day. Yeah. So it may well be that in Ecuador, print is your best choice. It could be. It could be radio is your best choice. I don't know Ecuador. But right. advertisers are going to go... Where the customers are. Yeah. Somebody just said that,
0: yeah, in the Dominican Republic, uh, they're like 15 years behind. So it's it's hard. But I, I want to say this one thing, and we've got so many questions that so we yeah, don't want to sure. jam it up on this one. But let's just say that you're hell-bent on really trying to change things. What you need to do, I think, is to find an entrepreneur who shares your vision and passion and wants to be disruptive. So even though everybody else is going down print radio and television in your local market if you find and meet this one person's like i I see what's happening in the world i i I see that everybody else is 15 years ahead and we're behind i want to do some really great campaign here and let's do it together and they might make just enough noise that people start paying attention but that's a gamble that's a big big risk and i think if you're of this kind of design thinking ethos you really want to just solve what the the user's problems are instead of inventing one that you created all right, let's keep moving on here so mario's asking mario Ronzi's is asking a very difficult question I, I was reluctant to see if i should even lob it up but i'm gonna try Throw and, and see, though, what let's see what you got okay this is like you got to swing for the outfield <laughs> here okay care. so mario asks how can you be ahead of the curve are there any tactics or strategy to predict when to pivot when the market changes? That's like
2: the billion dollar question. Yeah, I right? know,
1: we'd all be billionaires but, if we well, knew that. The,
2: the, listen, uh, I'm not sure I can answer your exact question, but I can tell you the, there's the good news and the bad news, the market's already changed, and most of your compadres have not pivoted. So if you can jump out ahead right now, the good news is nobody knows the answer. Digital means about 52 things to 52 different people. Um, one of the things you can do is read a lot like I read probably when I say read I use that loosely I probably scan 20 newspapers a day plus my clients are all concerned about this industry so they constantly are sending me things in publications or in things that I don't see so that's how I do it I I can tell you uh, I have a client I work with in Ohio Space Junk and they started their business going client direct I went out there and uh, through a friend and did some work for them, and I still work with them. And when I came back, this was almost four years ago, I think, Chris, I said to Chris, you know we both knew the market was changing, we didn't know where it was going. And I said, these guys, uh, they're on to something. And so we got on the plane and we, we flew back. I think it was in it was cold. it was like in December, to mm-hmm. Columbus, Ohio. And Chris met Rob and Mike and the guys there. They're great guys. And you know, we started four years ago trying to shift into these new markets, uh, what I call client direct. Uh, so we saw it. I mean, you, you can tell as budgets are getting smaller and all these things are happening, you can see it if you pay attention. If you don't pay attention, I'll give you an example. Look at what Amazon's done to Walmart. Mm. One would have thought if you were at Walmart, you would say, if they can sell books, maybe they can sell kids toys. But it never occurred to these guys at Walmart, right? So a lot of times the answer is right in front of you. It's, it's, it's how you look at it. So when you see a new technology or you see something happening, do, do you think of what the implications of that are? I think that's how you stay ahead of the curve personally. And if it were easy, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this for free. I would be right. like <laughs> somewhere else making more a bunch on a, more. a yacht. Much <laughs> yeah, more, we'd be doing this champagne from my yacht in right. Naples. <laughs>
0: so, what did you get from what Kira said, Cheryl? Can you summarize? Like, what are the what? What did you take from that?
1: Oh, um, well, just Confusion. basically pay attention and be informed. I mean, you cannot know a hundred percent of the time what's going to be happening, but you have to, you know, you can't just sit in your box as a designer and just say, All I'm going to do is make beautiful things. You have to be aware of what's going on in the world and kind of see how that the implementation the impact <laughs> how it um
0: implementation <laughs> is the word implication. <laughs> oh, implication. Thank okay. Thank
1: you. Uh, um to your own business and where a potential other business could be had, like what could be possibly growing because of this um, event or this trend yeah, I, I
2: have a thought I Great. mean take example and I know nothing about this right and I don't think I'm for it but these driverless cars there has to be opportunity there I have no idea what the opportunity is but it tells me that's a whole new world So if I was really interested in thinking about that, I would sit down and talk to people like Chris and the folks in the room here, and I would say, what I do, here's my way of doing it. I call it planning a picnic, if you've ever had to do that. I used to be a social worker, and I used to have bunches of kids, and so what I do is I start with my staff and I start with myself from day one. What's the first thing we do? Well, we need a place and we need a permit and we need food. And so I just walk through the whole process from start to finish. So let's talk about driverless cars. Like, let's, let's can, do we have a minute just to, to fiddle with this? Like, okay, where, where are these driverless cars? Where do they parked? How do I get them? I mean, how does all that happen? And then when I get in the car, if I'm not driving, what am I doing? What opportunities? You know, it's like riding in the back of a limo or is it riding? I don't know. But I would think through that whole process, like how do I get out of this car? Where does it go? How does it steer? You know, all these things are going to create enormous opportunities if this idea works, right? I'm not sure it will, but if it does. That's how I think you stay ahead of the curve. Because it's going to be a different world. It's going. To, I just got off, the, it took me two hours to get here today. If Sunday morning would take me 20 minutes, so I, I might as well have been, have been in a driverless car. It was on. The, if you know LA, I was in the 405. Mm-hmm. So what opportunities does that present for designers, for all of us in business? Because it's going to create just a new world, just a completely new world. That's my thought. That's okay. how I do
0: it. Great. I'd like to add a couple of things. And sure. there are more questions coming in. So we're going to try and keep up with that. A couple of things here is, uh, first, what can you do? What can you do as a designer, as an entrepreneur, or as a person just trying to figure out what to do next? One thing that has served me well is never to be complacent with where you're at. So when things are going really well or when things are going poorly, those are times to be thinking about shifting the model. And it would sound crazy that when things are going really well, why would you shift the model? And I think that's where most companies die. They fall in love with themselves, right? They really just fall in love with themselves and they don't use the opportunity. And when I shared the story before about um, when we were doing well financially, that was the time for us to hire a business coach because that's the time that I'm going to have the largest safety net to try new ideas, to push into new territory. Don't wait for the world to kind of collapse and it becomes so evident that everybody's already in the market that then you're deciding, well, maybe we should get on this Facebook thing. Maybe we should be doing Facebook Live or podcasting or creating our own content. And I think the other thing that you've taught me about this, Kira, is you gotta know your numbers. Pay attention to what's going on with your business. And that's a good indicator. You talked about that. That's the canary in the coal mine. It's telling you things are going really well. And if you know your numbers, and you're seeing a big revenue spike in one specific area, it could be virtual reality right now. If virtual reality is like spiking, maybe you should divert more attention to that and see where that's going. And I love what you said, Kira about trying to imagine the implications and the the, the ripple effect, if you will, of what's going to happen. So I can just almost envision you sitting there, driverless cars, what's going to happen? And you're kind of moving around in your mind's eye envisioning that future. Right, so And that's about staying informed and using that powerful imagination that creative people have to kind of think beyond what they see in front of them. Now, this one is going to sound slightly self-serving here. <laughs> How do you stay ahead of the curve how do you jump the curve now the problem is it's you and you're used to your world so you're very attached to it this is where the power of an outsider that has a neutral objective opinion a point of view to introduce things to you that are going to make you really uncomfortable this person can see things more clearly that's why you hire um, a tennis coach when you're in trouble that's why you go see a therapist or a psychiatrist and that's why consultants exist they can bring in new information. Think about if you lived in a village somewhere, like we're talking about like in ancient times, and some traveler from the Far East comes and brings exotic spices and fabrics and textiles and all that. They're bringing new information to you. So I think if you want to have a shot at seeing what's on the horizon, you do need to either engage with people that are not in your industry. And I think you have a great story about this yeah. work here or you bring in somebody else as a professional help you. And I think you told me before
2: something about like all major innovations happen. Yeah, I'm going to turn it back
0: to you, Kieran. Okay.
2: Um, so the reason that people, either people new to, a, to an industry or people who have changed from industry A to industry B are better innovators is because they're not tied down to, quote, the way it's being done. Okay? Every field of endeavor has a way it's being done. And to be honest, most people start their business by looking at some other business just like theirs and then they just copy it. Mm. But people who make change don't do it that way. And you said something. You said
0: something earlier, and I think I've talked about this before. You're just too dumb to not to do it. It's almost like when you know too much, you kind of get stuck in dogma and the way everybody else thinks. It's a very yeah. conventional thinking. It's easy to fall into that trap,
2: right? Absolutely. And I think it's because at that time, you know, I think it's a lot of reasons and some of them are personal reasons, you know, because, like, you know, I don't like being labeled a guru because I think that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. And this is to go back to a question that you asked earlier, uh, is that I don't think I have the answer. I think I have a lot of good questions, and I get to work with a lot of really smart people. My clients have won every award. I I had a, a guy I worked with a few years ago that won three Oscars, a, every award you can think of. And so I get to sit in the room and see how those people solve problems. And I joke, and then I say, I go to the next guy and sell him, you know, my my talent. My talent is I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it, it's it's. I want to talk a little bit about. that You asked Sharon, is it Sharon? I'm not Cheryl. Cheryl I'm not too good name. at na- I'm terrible at names and directions. Um, about business coaching, and if you're a sports fan, and I know a lot of creatives aren't particularly sports fans, but the, I think everyone knows who Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal were, and are. Well, the Lakers paid Phil Jackson like seven million dollars to come in here and coach the Lakers. Now the Lakers had had Phil, they had had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal before Phil Jackson got here and they never won anything. Phil Jackson won, you know, at least three titles, I think maybe four. And the reason that they hired him, look, just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you're going to do it. Because here's the way it usually works, and I think Chris will attest to this. In fact, it happened today. He and I are working on a project. We've been working on this project for a while. Most of my clients don't really do what they said they were going to do until like an hour before I get here. So sometime in the middle of last night, Chris sent me an update on a project that we were going to talk about today. People need coached through. Just knowing how to do it isn't enough. Mm, That's about accountability.
0: Yeah, You need need to hold yourself accountable to
2: somebody. And someone needs to remind you to. And most of you who are owners aren't accountable to anybody. But I can tell you if I work for you, then I hold you accountable. And if you don't do it i just tell you you're wasting your money and if you don't do it and don't do it then i resign working for you because i'm not interested in wasting my time because there are too many people out there who will pay attention and will you know advance right okay <laughs> now Vinny wants to
0: follow up with something and because you brought up walmart and jumping yes. the curve like everybody's on this whole change <laughs> jumping the curve yeah, kind of right. thing, okay So, Vinny asks, do you think Walmart's acquisition of Jet.com shows us the increased value of e-commerce strategy and design services, despite the clear example
2: already set by Amazon? I'm, again, I'm not sure that, I might be out of my depth here. Uh, Chris, what is Jet, whatever it is? I
0: don't know. I think it's another e-commerce platform. Yeah, well, look, no. We read in the news, right? It's
2: like Kleenex. I mean, you know, look, Amazon owns the market. And if you're going to beat Amazon, you better come in there with a better idea and i don't think since i've never heard of jet.com which doesn't mean it's not the world's if someone's watching god love you you know but amazon is the brand they're the brand for online shopping there can be no dispute about that right none whatsoever i mean these people are are like a gorilla and they're crunching people like you know macy's disclose you can buy anything there you can buy anything so yeah i mean look look at netflix they're the same thing. In each market of these niches, there'll be other people. Amazon does the same thing. There's Hula. There's all this and that. But, you know, they're, not, they're never going to be Amazon. They're never going to be Netflix. They're never going to be. It's just the reality of it. So you, I guess we can scratch off Walmart
0: as a, as a potential client right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: what happens when you work with big corporations is the person doesn't want, the people inside the corporation don't necessarily want to be the innovator because if they're wrong, that is their job. You know, if the marketer went and, and the business developer went and who works for Walmart says, I think we should go in this direction, I see Amazon's getting a start in there, I think this is it. Yep. And if they were completely wrong, they're out of their job, they right. don't know what they're doing absolutely. next. If you make that wrong decision, there's a lot riding on yeah. it and yep. they don't want to be the first. They'll, they'll be the second, that's fine. Well, yeah, absolutely. But they don't want to be the first one to in there and like potentially have a disaster right. on their hands. Well, look,
2: look, let's face it, these big corporations don't do much innovation they're they're not innovative. I mean, the people that work in these places are good human beings, but they're not innovators. They're not risk takers. I think what a lot of people don't understand if you run a studio like Chris Doe or some of my other clients, all of you, you're taking a chance every day. You have no pension. You have no guaranteed paycheck. You are a risk taker. I say we're we're all pirates sailing on the on the seven seas trying to make a living here, you know. If you want a pension, I'm Irish American. What our, our equivalent of is you go to work for the gas company, you know, because you know you're going to get a pension and you're going to have like a boring job. and a, a, oh, got, a safe job. I, I hope nobody's. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just well, scratching out more clients. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, and, and it's like these are not innovative. The system, this is why design thinking is getting so big even in business because it, it encourages innovation and it encourages thought and i want to say one more thing a lot of these big companies are traded on the big board and all their investors care about is did they make 50 cents a share on the stuff right so business in america tends to be short cycled it's like what is the next so for the quarter? quarter it's all the quarter it's all about the quarter
0: it's Hitting just like numbers.
2: in the radio business. I used to be in the radio business, and the ratings are done on the quarter hour. That's why, you know, in top 40 became top 20 became top 10. They just keep playing those same songs over because they know that's what people want right. to hear.
0: <laughs> ah, okay, we won't get into that topic. But, you know, luckily the Internet's pretty smart, and our audiences, they're pretty intelligent. So they're telling us everything about Jet.com. So, Good. Yeah. Um, Vinny is saying jet.com is basically a version of Amazon. And then and then uh, Lance Mayfield saying it's an archaic approach. And now they're fighting and saying, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Well, let them fight no, it out. <laughs> what, what it is to me is like Walmart is the 800-pound gorilla. They bully people. They're not used to paying. It's like for a long time, Amazon was like a little gnat. And they kept going about their business, just like those carriage makers you were talking about right. before, Kira. You just keep going on. And then before you know it, they look up. And everybody's driving automobiles. And so it took a long time for Amazon to go from books to selling everything in the world. And they, they're, they're, they keep at it. And they didn't give up. And they keep moving. Jeff Bezos, very innovative guy. He spends a lot of money in R&D projects that a, a normal corporation might not. He's a very innovative thinker. And so that's what's going on there. And so, uh, I just want to let you know one of your clients okay. uh, is tuned in here. Yeah, uh, Kevin Robinson is hey saying, Kevin. "What's up? Hey, what's Love what up, you guys dude? are doing. This is very helpful." Now, Julie Kabuli uh, asked, "Is it possible to influence
2: change in the market? How do you do it?" I want to. I think it. I don't think you can if you're an individual, yeah. unless you get lucky. Now, remember, luck counts. Yes. But since Kevin's on the line here, I, I want to tell you a little bit about Kevin. Kevin went to Syracuse University. He studied film. He has a studio like Chris's. He's probably one of the best shooters. You know what I mean by that. Not shooting people down, but you know. But he also knows how to code. And he came up with an idea a few years ago. He called it Glyph. And it was a way to attach, uh, I believe Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, pictures, uh, photos, stuff to uh, Twitter. Yep. and so they use it on the sci-fi channel on the show about makeup where people learn to be makeup artists okay now I think Kevin would have liked to get rich on that, and he did not. But what he did do, he was able to sell it, but what it did was when he would then talk to his customers, which many of them are network people, the fact that he had ventured into this field got him meetings that I, I think we both would agree, he and I, he would not have gotten. Because what it told these people that are his clients is, this guy's on the cutting edge, this guy has some ideas. Along with his enormous talent, it got him many meetings, and he's been able to make some of the shifts in his business that Chris has been able to make in his to combine his broadcast work, which is you know unbelievable, with some direct work. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Now you can ask your other questions. Okay. okay. <laughs> Whatever well, it was.
0: it's, it's uh, 42 minutes past the hour here. And I want to just, Eric Martinez is asking a gigantic question. Okay. I think that's going to gobble up all our time. So, Eric, I'm sorry. Perhaps Kier will uh, give you an answer offline. You, he's asking questions about franchising his business, giving up control. It's the monster question. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to just rein this back in <clears> before we wrap up our show here. I want to talk a little bit about something that you brought up and then toss to the side. And I'm gonna just put the spotlight a little bit on you, Kira, for a minute. You had mentioned that I had been encouraging you to do something, and you were reluctant to do it yourself. So even the business coach sometimes, you know, doesn't want to go where he hasn't gone before. What is this thing that I encourage you to do, and how are you
2: adapting to that now, Kira? Okay. Well, you suggest that I that I do it. And, what is it? Again, you, know, you, you said, Kira, you should make videos. Kira, you should do podcasts and so on and so forth. And I really, you know, didn't want to do it for, for lots of reasons. Some of them were personal. Um, but what I realized was I'm trying to make a little shift in my business as well. And one of the things that I'm trying to do is do more customers on the phone, work with clients remotely, because it gives me some flexibility. So I don't all you know, like, like literally it took me two hours to get here this morning. And I started my business. All my work was face to face with my clients, you know. But now, probably a third of my clients, I've met them all, and I at least once, and I do. I I work with them on the phone, and so that's what I was trying to do. Um, Does that sort of answer your question? What made me change was I wanted to switch my model, and I realized that you were right, and you did the school thing and i thought oh okay you know i can do that i think my fear has been and it's personal and i'm willing to share that is I, when i said earlier i really don't view myself as a guru some people do chris speaks highly of me and fortunately so do most of the people that i work with but there i'm just part of the i'm part of the solution that's all i'm just that's what i am i'm not the solution <clears throat> and sometimes I get calls, especially when Chris has recommended me. Hey, I heard you tripled his business. Uh, well, can you do that for me? And on I go like, probably not. You know, I mean, I can't promise that. That would not be honest. Uh, <laughs> and again, if I could, I probably wouldn't be working for you. You know, yeah. if I could guarantee that, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be making a fortune. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not. I'm making a good living, but not a fortune.
0: <laughs> well, I think in all fairness, though, let's say you had that magic blueprint. Yes. It also is largely dependent on the person that's running the company and all the game plan.
2: So I got people listen, I have people I always joke, someone asks me, for the first six months that I work for the average client, they tell me why they can't do what I'm thinking they need to do. Literally, they say that. You know, they'll give me all these reasons, you mm-hmm. know, and then I'll I'll uh, say to them, Well then, you know, kinda why'd you hire me? So now I'm smarter. If you if you are not willing to change, and I will ask you that if you call me on the phone, then I, I can't work for you. I mean, because it's too frustrating for me. Oh, wait. Okay, okay, hold on.
0: <laughs> for all the people that are in our audience now who are like trembling or just maybe a little concerned now, okay, wait, hold on. What, what do I have to go through? Let's just do a little example call. Okay. Let's just play. All you, right. Are you a game to play uh, here? All. Okay. I'm going to call like I'm going to pretend like I'm a new client. Or maybe, yeah. Aaron, you should do that. Uh, I think maybe... You should do it, Share. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to do it? Uh, no,
1: I'll pass. Okay,
0: so I'm gonna do it, Kira. I'm All gonna right. pretend to be a client okay. uh, or you know potential wanna, client. A, yeah, potential client. Now I, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Hi, Kira. I, I saw you on the network, and people have been talking about you. I don't know what a business coach is, but
2: I think I'd like to work with you. Okay, so the first thing I would say is, well, tell me a little bit about your business, and then they would. Okay. Tell me a little bit. Then I would just say, like, you know, I'm I'm a, a a
0: solopreneur. I'm doing motion graphics. Okay. And then I would say, give me some. How many
2: people do you have working for you? It's me and one buddy. Why don't you stay in character? Just talk I, to me like it's. Uh, real. You know, I, I would say, well, okay. Give me an idea of what you gross. What are your I'm, that I'm, means sales? So what did you sell last year? Okay. Well,
0: what did I sell yesterday? Last year I, I was doing like maybe oh I don't know, maybe like a, a two hundred thousand. Okay,
2: I would say you probably can't afford me.
0: That's disheartening. At
2: at $200,000 a year, I think it would be unfair of me to charge, you know, for you to, of the monies that you have to spend, I think there's other ways to spend your money better. But what I would do is let's talk for an hour or so, and I'm willing to do that, and I'm making noise off camera here, I apologize. What I would do is tell me a little bit about your business, because I can probably give you a couple ideas that will really help your business in an hour. Because, I, you know, I've kind of seen your problem lots of times before. And then, you know, if you want to call me every five or six months and ask a question, I'm, I'm willing to do that as long as I have the time. But I, I just couldn't work. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to you to, okay. for me to charge you right now. But I, I really would like to work with you. So what, where does it start to
0: make sense in terms of how much money I'm billing annually before it makes
2: sense to bring you in? Well, as you know, I don't like talking about my rates publicly, but let's just say— What do I need to earn? Oh, what do you need to earn? I I would say that you have to—I mean, depending on your overhead, I mean, and your potential as well— You know, you have to be doing somewhere three quarters of a million or a million dollars minimum. I mean, for it to make sense. Now, I can structure the deal in lots of ways, you know, but again, I can tell you it's all based on an hourly thing. So if you don't have much to spend, you don't get as much time as, say, a Chris Doe. Right. So, can you give
0: me. Roughly, like, some different models without getting into the specifics? Sure. Yeah. Like what's, what's
2: on the low model? and like The low what's a high model, model is we talk, like, a half hour or 40 minutes a couple times a month on the phone. Okay. Okay, the high model is, like, you. If right. you need me, I come. I come... When, when you were doing more motion, I was here at least once a week and sometimes more. Mm-hmm. If you need to call me or to go somewhere to a meeting, I'm there. I'm, I basically am there. I, I, ta- I train right. your staff up. I work with your staff. Your staff can call me and they do, you know, I'm, I'm basically serving 20 or 30 people depending on the size of the business. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty much at your beck and call, mm-hmm. you know, but you, but of course you pay for that. And then,
0: well, you know. I was on a call yesterday with somebody and they had described the way that they serve their clients is something like this. And tell me if this fits how you, you think about yourself. He would say like, you know, it's like you getting me as a partner without giving me equity. You just... I I care about your company. I think about your company for as long as we're engaged. I'm like a partner, except for I don't get any equity. That's exactly, yeah. That's the high-level one.
2: That's the high. And even if you're calling for a half hour or twice a week, I really feel like in those that I'm part of your team. So if I see something on the internet that I think will help your business, I'll I'll send it out to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like it turns out, and you're you're a good example of this, uh, Chris, like I know your wife. I have to say this publicly, you know, his wife was the designer when this company started and she's actually is a better designer than he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I know his little boys, I knew them since they were little guys. And so to me, when I work for you, I'm thinking about that. I'm trying to give you advice and give you choices that are gonna not only make you successful in your business but allow you to have a life outside of here. And I also think about your employees because I know that they get paid based on what, in our case, Chris, you and I decide. I mean, somewhere down the line, this company has to make money. And I know that the two folks sitting here at the table with us today and all the people out there working, their jobs depend on our ability to sustain this business. And that's how I think about it.
0: Okay, before we wrap up our show, I'm going to give Michael, like, he's a really smart guy, he's part of our group, He has. I'm going to give him the last question, guys, I'm sorry, maybe <laughs> we'll do this again, I don't know, kier has been very generous with this time, so let's see what happens here, okay, so Michael's question is, regarding innovation, Tesla's, the vision statement, innovation and sales, Tesla changed their mission statement from a transportation company to a renewable energy company. Yeah, and he's like, if I would like to attract a client like Tesla, do I have to be perceived and promote myself as an innovator in digital business also? If yes, to what I, I extent? Can, I, can t- I
2: have, a, I think, a fairly good answer to Great. that. Then let's end on this you, question. You have to figure out what you can do that advances Tesla's cause. Uh, I had an interesting email that I shared with some people that was shared with a client of mine. From the uh, the head of uh, one of the promoters of uh, Amazon and of their original content, the person had reached out and wanted sort of let's call it in this business, you know, it's a, like a capabilities meeting. And this person, who was a big, a important person, had been like a big part of, I believe, ABC. Wrote back and said, "Look, I don't have time for all that. If you have something that's going to advance our business, help us promote our films." I'll see that you get a meeting with my staff who are very busy. So if you want to work for Tesla, you get in touch with them with an idea that you have that's going to advance his cause. If you don't do that, he's not going to hire you. Like, why would he? What would be the point? So you have to do your work. There's no magic here at all. If you have an idea that's going to help him get business, it doesn't matter if it's the first idea you ever had or the hundredth idea. It's just the idea. Does that make sense, Chris? Totally makes sense. I love it. And let's end on that. So I want to just now talk
0: a little bit about, Aaron, you said you were intimidated maybe this helped you to overcome some of your intimidation and your fear and and just kind of see that tears like a real human being and there's nothing to be afraid of but I can tell you you're very tight and clenched up right now so I'm going to turn the camera over to you do you feel much more comfortable yeah he, he, wait why like, are you, why are you moving away from the camera stay in the camera gotta get to the mic okay go get to the mic then no he uh i i was actually really surprised i mean i thought he was a very serious guy but he, he's just a real a real dude that just tells it how it is and he seems to have a lot of clarity, which is very refreshing. For and it's like something you. that a guy like you needs, yeah. clarity. We all could <laughs> use a little more clarity, right? Yeah. Okay, sure. now I'm going to turn it over to Cheryl. Hold on one second. Cheryl, you had questions about whether or not Kier is a financial advisor. Do you have a clear understanding of what he does and how you could possibly work with him?
1: Sure. He's, um, he's more than just the spreadsheets, I suppose. Yeah it's the difference it's a bigger picture bigger picture mm-hmm. okay
0: great and i'm gonna wrap up the show here so how can you get a hold of Kier? like if you really want to reach out to him and you're in the three quarter a million dollars and up annual gross billings reach out if you're not he'll still talk to you it's not about money i think he enjoys helping people out so here's how you get a hold of Kier. it's Kier, k-e-i-r, K-E-I-R. Mc at Verizon.net. I'm going to say it one more time. Since this is an audio-only podcast and streaming Facebook Live, it's KierMC, K-E-I-R-M-C, for Keir McLaren at Verizon.net. K-E-I-R-M-C at Verizon.net. That is his personal email. This is super dangerous and crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't even give you guys my email address, but Kier is going to do that. All right. So let me wrap this up. I want to tell you guys, don't forget to check us out on YouTube at The School Rocks. I am Chris, and I'm Aaron. I'm Cheryl. I'm Kier. <laughs> Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us and spending a part of your day with me. Really appreciate it. And I want to talk a little bit about how we're able to do this. So the future is made possible by some of our lovely sponsors and partners, one of which is Pond5.com. If you guys need to get some stock footage, After Effects presets, Pond5 is the place to go. And the future is also made possible by Matthew Cena, Greg Gunn, Scott Rotstein, Nicole Wasserman, and the entire blind staff, which I would not be able to do fun stuff like this and spend the day with you without their support because they run the business for me. The man behind the scene, the man with the plan, Aaron ZaKelly. He's responsible for recording this, engineering it, doing the sound design, the editing. He pretty much makes this podcast possible. You can find him online as well. And of course, I have to thank Adam Sanborn, the person who composed and wrote the piece of music that you're listening to. You can find him at AdamSandborn.com.